Have you ever heard the phrase before? An attitude of gratitude. Ever heard that before? Having an attitude of gratitude. What does it mean to be grateful? That's our topic today, moving into this week, this Thanksgiving week. And here are a few thoughts I found on a website. It says, grateful people don't expect that life's going to give them everything they deserve. That's interesting. A little bit different from what we might be hearing out in the world today. Grateful people don't have preconditions to their happiness. They don't think, if this happens, then I will be happy. They're grateful. They're happy. The grateful have realized you can't have the rainbow without the rain. Think about that one for a moment. Okay, the moment's over. Grateful people have hope when there seems to be no way out or around their circumstance. Grateful people understand that a grateful attitude takes work, that it doesn't come naturally. And grateful people are able to separate their perceptions from facts, what's rational from what's imagined. Those are some pretty good ones, a pretty good understanding as to, as to what gratitude can help us fight through, succeed in, battle. All in all, I think we would agree that life would be a lot easier if we learned to approach it with a grateful spirit, a grateful heart. Here's where our passage today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 comes to play. Where the apostle writes, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I find it difficult to, to always rejoice. To, 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 to make certain that I, am, I have a praying spirit about myself that lasts through the day. In a lot of ways, they're little token prayers, aren't they? In the morning or when we sit down to eat, maybe before we lay down, those things that, out of road or routine that we've learned to, to just kind of just say at a moment's notice. But to give thanks in all circumstances? Now, now Paul, you've gone too far, my friend. That's kind of that's tough to do. Like the family that gathered around the table for dinner. And before they said grace, the, the father paused everybody and he said, I don't want to complain... And especially regarding these leftovers. But haven't we already blessed them three times this week? What have we heard said to children when they don't want to eat what was placed in front of them? They're starving children in Africa who would love to have what you are about to eat. One child said, well, give it to them then. God rest his soul. It's kind of hard to be thankful when it seems that 
there's always something at work against me. Another heartache, another illness, another frustration, another bill, another broken relationship, another roadblock. And yet, Paul tells us that we're to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Really? Even when I don't feel like it? Because that sounds a little too utopian to me, a bit idealistic. Ever known anyone who was always happy, always cheerful? They got on your nerves, didn't they? And yet we're called by Scripture to have an outlook on life that's a bit more optimistic. Say that after drinking the, the grape juice, right? That's a bit more optimistic than those who've yet to meet the Lord. We're called to have a a more optimistic outlook because we know that we've entered into a relationship with God and God can do all things. There's not a thing that he can't handle, a thing that he can't do. In fact, if your theology is correct, he created all things and so you would think that the master, creator, and lord of all things would be able to dictate to those things what they are able to do in our lives. That's optimistic to me. Sounds like it. Doesn't it to you? And so to have an attitude of gratitude, it, it all comes down to understanding what in all circumstances refers to. The first one. In all things obvious. Now would you agree that there are some things that are so close to home, so obvious, so front and center, that we tend to for, forget to be thankful for them. Earlier in his letter here in the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, we always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. And then he goes on to say, and we remember your work, your labor, and your endurance. Sometimes when it comes to giving thanks, it's the most obvious things that are forgotten, that we leave out of the equation. Like the wife who told her husband after 40 years of marriage that she was leaving. When he asked her why, she said, because you don't appreciate me. Sure I do. What makes you think that, he asked. Easy. You never tell me you love me. Well, this husband was a little bit quick on his comeback because he said, he said to her, didn't I say that at our wedding? If it ever changes, you'll be the first to know. The obvious things, the things that go without saying. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus came across 10 men with leprosy. He healed all 10 of them of their skin disease and they went off. They were healed. One of them returns. It says, one of them, when he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. 
And this man just happened to be a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God? Now, I don't know about you, but I think Jesus makes a good point here about how quickly we are to forget the obvious things. To be thankful. Certainly they were thankful, but where's the appreciation? We need to be, we need to be reminded to be thankful in these things too, like the wife who irons your shirts, the husband who washes the dishes, the Bible study teacher who's prepared the lesson, the neighbor who helped you with a job they saw you struggling to finish, or that lifelong friend who's always a phone call away when you need them. You know, those obvious things. To be thankful and to show appreciation for them. The second area for in all circumstances it is, is in all things obscure. All things obscure. It only makes sense that if we're going to emphasize the obvious that we would also emphasize the obscure ones. Those things that might be a little bit more difficult to see, hidden from sight. Those things that happen behind the scenes that, that we would miss if they weren't being done. There once was a daughter speaking to her father about marriage, and she said, there just aren't any more good marriages anymore. I can't find any, any models, any, any examples. And her father turned to her and said, I can tell you one. Your mother and I, her response was, oh, that one doesn't count. Think about it. Why not? These are the things that, 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 like I said, that we would miss if they weren't being done. We need to learn to be or be reminded to be thankful for those things. If you're blessed to still have them, your mother or father. Your health. Being able to open your eyes and get out of bed this morning. Being able to chew your own food. Your eyesight. Still being able to drive yourself places. And the list goes on. Those obscure things that we don't miss them until they're, they're gone. In Ephesians 1.3, the Apostle Paul wrote about obscure blessings. And this is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. And if you're involved in our Wednesday night pastor's Bible study, we're in Ephesians. We've been in it three weeks, and we've gotten two verses into it. But I invite you to come. It's still early enough. You can, you can still come. You won't be missing out. One of my all-time favorite verses, Ephesians 1.3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing there is in Christ Jesus. There are ways that God has blessed us that you don't even know about yet. That we have yet to even realize. They're hidden from our sight, but there will come a time when they'll be fully realized. 
think, I think that's a good reason to come to worship. I'm going to praise God for saving a wretch like me, but Paul even says, let's praise God for those things that he's still going to lavish upon us for those who are hid in Christ Jesus. Hidden things, countless measure, heavenly, spectacular ways that God has already wrapped up and has your name on. We have plenty of reasons to be thankful. Like that old hymn directs us. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Because usually it doesn't happen until we sit down with a piece of paper and we start writing out all the ways that God has blessed us that we realize just how rich and full our lives are in Christ. Praise God. Those obs- for those obscure blessings. And now the third way. In all things objectionable. And this one, like it sounds, is kind of the toughest area. It's the one, it, or it's one thing to be told that we need to give thanks for the obvious things or the obscure things, but the objectionable things too. But because... Paul didn't just say to give thanks. He said to give thanks in all circumstances. So how am I to be thankful for that car accident or that health scare or the death of that partner or friend or that persistent pain losing my job or when someone steals or takes what is mine? How in the world can I give thanks for those things? Well, that's when we need to realize that perhaps we've read Scripture incorrectly. Because Paul doesn't direct us to give thanks for all things. He says, in all things. That we can thank God even when the circumstances are rough because they, they could be worse. That we can thank God that even though you had a setback, you still have the chance to regroup, gather yourself, and press forward again. That even though your friend has passed, you were able to know them when you did. And if they placed their faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, you can praise God and be thankful that you'll see them again. You can thank God that even though your job may have been taken from you, there, there are others available, other opportunities at your disposal, maybe even a better one. Lynette Kittle writes, it's a concept some of us struggle with and resist, thinking God is telling us to be thankful for the difficulties. This makes us miss what he is really leading us to do, which is to be thankful despite the problems, to not let the disappointments, failures, losses, and hurts to keep us from being thankful to him. During tumultuous times, God asks us to focus on him and his faithfulness to us rather than on our circumstances, to dwell on his promise to never leave us or forsake us, and to trust him to help us in every situation we face. The the idea here is not 
is to not be thankful for the circumstance or the situation, but to learn to be thankful for what God promises will come true as we trust Him in all circumstances. In Enterprise, Alabama, there is a monument in the middle of the town square, and it's not of a Confederate general or a founding father or a war hero or a fallen soldier. soldier. The monument is to a boll weevil. A boll weevil. Their taxpayer do- dollars. <laughs> a boll weevil, an insect. They have a monument to an insect in their town square. Now, I've driven through Georgia country and I've been amazed at the miles and miles of cotton fields when they're in bloom, right? And you drive through and you see, look at all that land. And look at all the white, look at all the the cotton that's there. And in the South, cotton, the cotton industry plays an important role in people's livelihoods. In fact, you're sitting here dressed, meaning that you have a dependency on cotton that Not only is it a blessing to you, but everybody else right now. So why would a town place a monument in the middle of its square to an insect? An insect known for eating and destroying cotton fields. Here's how the story goes. The boll weevil made its way through Enterprise, Alabama in 1915 when the people depended solely on cotton for their income. The weevils came in, they weaveled around a little bit, and they destroyed the crops, the people's way of life, their livelihood, their income. So it was in response to this invasion that the people of Enterprise learned how to farm other things. And they moved past their sole dependence on cotton, learning how to to farm peanuts and corn as a result. So they erected this monument to this insect, commemorating this terrible event and moment in their history, so that they would remember how they grew as a result. The same thing was learned in the Old Testament by a young man named Joseph. Hated, despised by his brothers, beaten and sold into slavery, ending up as a slave in Egypt, being falsely accused and thrown into jail for a number of years until becoming the second highest official in the region. Saving the area from famine through the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. After a few years, his family comes to barter for food. And after a while and then showing who he was, here was his response. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
even in his objectionable circumstance, through all that Joseph endured, his perspective stayed in the right place. An attitude of gratitude recognizes that you can't have a rainbow without the rain. It isn't just something we learn when everything is peachy keen, hunky-dory, or whatever way you'd like to call it. It comes from learning how to approach life with God's providence in mind. Even when it doesn't feel so good to us. Roland Allen tells about a missionary who came up to him at the end of a service. The missionary introduced himself and explained how he was a medical missionary for several years in India. He served in a region where there was progressive blindness. People were born with healthy vision, but there was something in that area that caused the people to lose their sight as they grew older, and everyone knew it. Everyone expected it. It was going to come. The missionary, however, developed a treatment that would stop the disease. People came to him for treatment, and they left realizing that they would have become completely blind if it wasn't for this missionary's treatment. The missionary said that these, that these people never told him, thank you, because it wasn't in their dialect. They didn't know how to show appreciation, how to say thank you. But instead, what they would say is, in their language, is I will tell of your name. I will tell of your name. Wherever they went, they promised that they would tell the name of the missionary to others who had cured their blindness. This leads to our fourth point. How in all things, we need to remember to offer praise and thanks to God. To be certain and sure that we're stating his name. That we're telling of what he has done. You see, when we come to the point in life where God truly is the recognized source of all that is good in it, our goal from that point forward isn't just to rub it in other people's faces. Look at how God's blessed me. Look at all that I have. Look at what I, I can have or what I've done or what I've built. No, it's no longer about you. And it's not about what you've been blessed with. It's about telling other people about the name of God and how good he is. And how his promises are sure. Maybe our shift and our praise needs to move away from just saying thank you Lord. To saying I'm going to tell others how good God is. Throughout scripture we find this encouragement. First Chronicles 16.9 Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Proverbs, four, I mean, sorry, Psalms 44 8. We shout your name all day long. 
We will praise your name forever. Psalm 9-1, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Psalm 13-6, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And Philippians 4-4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then the little children's tune comes to your mind for all the little children's workers, right? And that song will be in your head for the rest of the day, and you will have the Lord to thank. Sometimes living a life of thanks isn't a result of what's going on on the outside. The things we can see, taste, touch, hear, smell, experience. But our gratitude comes from just simply knowing God is good. Listen for a moment to what Abraham Lincoln wrote in his Thanksgiving proclamation in 1863. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It has seemed to me fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. So I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of these United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Let's not forget that this day and this week isn't about turkey. Although turkey can be good, especially when it's fried turkey. It's not about the stuffing or the potatoes. It's not about the family gathering. Although, all of that is so good. It's about reminding ourselves how and why we have what we have. And it's by the goodness of God. For God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good. attitude of gratitude it comes from a spirit and that spirit is freely given given by our father 
and he dwells within us and opens our eyes that yes, the things that are obvious, the things that are obscure, and through whatever objectionable, man, God is good. Pray with me.